Another show, another show, the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show. Family, I want to start off as always, and I want to thank you, each and every one of you, for taking your time and spending it with me, wherever you are, be it at work, be it at home, be it in your car. Thank you, thank you, because you know what, family? I want you to know I recognize that there's a million other places you could be. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to give a shout-out to... Uh, my EOTM family. Uh, I'm going to start out with Miss Carla B., Miss Ronnie, the First Lady of GPT, the Sassy Diva Sweet Tea, Queen G., my friend and co-host Trey Love, and of course I'm not going to forget Grandma Grip. And family, I want to also tell you where you can go to tune in, uh, www.eotmradio.com or www.queenofradio, internet radio, I'm sorry. Dot com. 
And for those of you who want to send me your personal comments, uh, to have those comments either read on the air or through our BlackBerry series, you can email me at donadamstalkshow at eotmradio.com. And uh, family, that's for you folks out there that have a particular child support story that you want to send in or just any other comment or story that you just want to have read over the air. Uh, and we're tiling those the BlackBerry letters for all those that don't know. Also, family, tonight I'm doing something different. Uh, I have been accepted into, chimed into the chat room. So for those of you who are completely computer savvy, uh, if you will go in and log into the blog chat room, you'll see me there. Um, and, you know, bear with me because I'm going to try to talk with you all as I'm moving through the show. Um, tonight, family, we have a great show lined up. Uh, tonight's show is about the criminal justice system. It's about it's the part two to a Tuesday show on the Crooked Cops. Um, last week, I'm sorry, family, Tuesday, Tuesday family, um, we had uh, two very, very distinguished guests on our panel, uh, two officers that are currently serving out in the field. They wanted to chime in and give their personal opinion on, uh, on how we should handle police officers on the streets. And I want to tell you, family, and I mentioned that because I want to say thank you to those guests. Uh, once again, because I always uh, appreciate uh, input uh, from those that are, are closely involved in any subject that we discuss here on the show. Uh, family, I want to give away two tickets to the upcoming event uh, in March, which is going to be the Queens of Internet Radio's uh, uh, what is that? Uh, Celebrating Queens in Our Community event. It's going to be March the 7th. And here it's going to be here in Atlanta, family. And I want to give away two tickets tonight. Uh, hopefully to the fifth caller. I don't know why I'm still stuck on that number five. Um, but in the meantime, family, uh, I also want to send shouts out to my moms. I know you're listening. You're in California. Thank you again. Uh, and also to my family in Louisiana, uh, my Aunt Barbara. I appreciate your support and your love. Uh, I'm glad to have you uh, You know, as part of the listening audience on the, on the show tonight. Uh, folks, without any further ado, I'm going to give a tribute to my co-host before I bring him in. And we're going to roll the tape. Night Rider, where you at, Night Rider? Okay, we're going to keep chopping it up for a second until Night Rider gets ready. Um, but uh, as usual, I want to give a, a special tribute to my friend and co-host, the one and only Trey Love. Okay, Night Rider, are we ready? Run the tape. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Without any further delay, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Robin. And 
and that is the goal, is to make sure that you understand, family, the criminal justice system. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm not going to be able to answer everyone's questions uh, tonight, but at least I want to give you a leg up, and I want to also make sure that, hey, again, with my email address out there, if there are any questions that you have that I have not touched on, that you can email me, and I will respond to you. Uh, with that being said, um, I also want to move into family and, and, and let you all know that we have not abandoned our child support issues. Um, we we still want to promote the child support uh, petition. Uh, we still need uh, more names on the petition. Um, you know, we're not there yet, of course. And I want to encourage you all, especially our women, because I realized something in doing those segments on child support is that, you know something, fellas, we can be as angry as we want to be about this issue. But you know something? We're going to need our women. Um, and, and I don't want to leave it out there as if I didn't want to include you all. Um, never that. But I want to encourage as many women as I can to, to, to log on and, uh, to, uh, to the radio station, to the, show, uh, to the um, EOTM.com radio station, and to sign the petition if you believe in what we're trying to do. Because uh, I know there are some of you that don't necessarily believe that the system needs to be changed. But... You know, and that's fine. You know, I'd invite you all to come and agree to disagree with us. But the one thing that I want to stress to you is this, family, is that if you are truly okay with the way things are with the child support system, just remember this. One day our children and our children's children are going to have to deal with that issue. Trey, you, you, anything you want to add to that, bro? Well, I just want to uh, just go ahead and, and tag them on it. I mean, you know, when we're doing things, a lot of times you know how they say, sins passed down through generations. So what we are doing, you know, and this is the way I look at it, um, because the women that, um, again, I must say what you said was good because, ladies, we don't want to negate your feelings at all, at all or negate the issues that you all are dealing with. We need our females, and, and a race is um, our power, and not just a race, a whole people are determined by the strength of a woman. We're not trying to take that at all away from you. But at the same time, just think about everything that you're, you're maliciously doing to the brothers or to, to any other person. I mean, and, and, you know, again, child support is our focus, but just think about the day that you have a son, you know, and that your son, that you're the, even the child you're probably fighting for child support for, imagine him going through the same turmoil that his father is going through or whichever, or that same father, because, see, I'm somebody's son, too. And that's the thing that... Um, that what that you said that's really profound, Don, is that uh, people need to realize what you're doing. Just imagine your children having to go through it. That's a very hard thing. So that's all I really wanted to say. Yeah, man, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate the love on that. And that's very true because I, I think I mentioned on the on the second show that we had on this on this issue, man, was that you know I think and I think the Bible mentions it in there too. I'm not quite I'm not going to quote the Bible, but I mean something about the sins of the father, the mother visiting the children, you know, and that's and that to me is how it essentially plays out. Is that you know you know you may want to do something to someone today out of vengeance or spite or whatever, whatever your motivation is. Even if you and, and, and I, family, I'm gonna tell you this one thing I do know, and I do believe is that when you take words, words are very powerful. When you take words and you choose to apply them in the manner or fashion that you choose to, you can justify just about anything. And we're going to get into that, too, when we start talking about the criminal justice system, family, because I want to definitely explain to you how these prosecutors are using words uh, to, to, to make some of the simplest things fit when, they, when they're not supposed to fit. Um, but with that being said, family, for those that are interested in where to find their child support petition, uh, you can go to www.eotmradio.com 
and um, look to, I think it's to the right, and uh, look for that link. It's a child, petition, uh, child support petition link. And so, so you'll know, family, what I want to do is if I can get a million signatures within the next 12 months, um, I'll even something a third of that. You know what? I'll take it to Washington or to wherever we need to take it to, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can, you know, initiate a change because, you know, there's nothing in the world better than playing on a level playing field with everybody. Um, so with that being said, family, Trey, did you hear about the uh, the, the uh, John Edwards thing, man? That John Edwards thing, you know, uh, John Edwards, the politician in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, with the, uh, with the baby and everything like that? Yeah, you, you know, he tried to, I think he was trying to pay the lady off, and he, he, you know, he yeah, was even going to pay somebody else. Right, he was going to pay a guy to go ahead and say, hey, this is my baby. Right. <laughs> but hey, you know something? You know what? Yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, no, I'm saying, I'm going to let you say what you're going to say, but I ain't knocking John. You know, sometimes you got to hey, go. I'm going to knock him, dude, because I'm going to tell you like this here, man. You know what? Look, this guy is a prime example of what I mentioned before, family, about, about those folks with the money. In being in right. a position to make the rules and the laws that we have to live by. But you know something? This man took himself out of those rules and out of those laws, be it morally or ethically or, or financially, and he literally placed himself above all of that. And, family, you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, for me personally, to, to look at a politician, uh, and I think some of the ladies even think he's a nice-looking guy, uh, you know, and, and to look the cameras in the eye when this man asked him point blank, "Is this your baby? Could it could it possibly be your baby?" And the man shook his head and said, "No, no way." Hey, I mean, I mean, it was great. Let me let me jump in on that, Doc. Check this out. That ain't the first time we done heard about that one, now. When you think about oh, yeah. it, don't that sound familiar? Hold on, I think. I, hold on, my boy. Hey, Bill, let me give Bill clean the ball real quick. Hold on, hold on. Uh, hello, hi, how's everybody at the Doc Adams show doing? Is everybody okay? I'm sitting here smoking a little bit of this wacky tacky with Trey, and I just wanted to step in and let everybody know that Trey loves my friend, and I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I well, Bill, let me ask you. But I let yeah. her give me a blowjob, but I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Now, Trey, you take this damn phone. Yeah, hey, I'm back. I, I just wanted Bill to jump in. Didn't that sound for me? Well, you know, I had a question for Bill, but you know, we'll skip that. We'll skip that part. <laughs> well, I can get him back. When you want him back, let me know, because he's, you know, I, he, he's sitting right here. You know, he always come over here and buy his uh his special cigarette. So you know, so when you want to holler at him, chill, let me know. Y'all just basically chilling in the back cave, huh? Oh man, we cool. Then. We cool. Then. You out there taking care of real business, Batman? But we you know something, Trey. I'm gonna tell you something, Trey. You know what? You know what really amazes me though is that this What's country that? got so damn upset at Tiger Woods. Because of the fact that he cheated on his wife, but this man's wife was, but this man's wife was sick, terminally ill with cancer and battling for her life, and this man was out here playing games with the public trust. And you know something? Now, it's, it's now. Of course, I think it's an embarrassment enough for them to put it out there, but I'm talking about the level of outrage that these people in this that the country or that certain I shouldn't even say the country. Let's just say the news media. Uh, uh, portrayed and put up on the Tiger Woods situation. I mean, dude, this man brought a kid into the world. I don't care where Tiger Woods, you know, does his business. I mean, that's his business. If he got caught, he got caught. I mean, hell, we all not going to, you know, it's going to happen at some point, I believe, with just about, you know, 95% of us. Who knows? 
But at the end of the day, this man brought a child into the world, and, you know, they are still being respectful and tactful and classy with his situation. You Bad man. Bad man. Yeah, yeah, go ahead right. and be robbing and telling how it is. Yeah, do something. Because, <laughs> see, you, you being Batman and you being nice with it, I'm going to tell you what it is and I'm going to put it on out there. See, I'm robbing. I already get the stuff started. Tiger is a Negro. See, what Tiger forgot was when he was playing the Masters and all that kind of stuff. See, Tiger forgot back in the day when that white dude started picking at him, talking about, yeah, now for these world, they're going to have collard greens and, and watermelon and, that, and fried chicken at the Masters. Tiger forgot about that. See, Tiger got so caught up. I ain't going to lie. I mean, you know, I, I, he do what he do. He even got him a little white woman. He even got some stuff. He got excited. But, see, Tiger out there messing with them white women, thought he was white, thought he could do white things and get in white trouble. See, and I, God rest his soul, I still love Michael Jackson today. But you you black, black people, we cannot get in white trouble. I'm just putting this out there. Black people, we need to realize and recognize, for I don't care who or how rich we are. Let me put it, let me just go and throw this out there. What's my boy uh, play, for the, uh, play for the team just got caught with the guns? I don't even know his name. He pissed me off on that. Oh, you you like about him. to do. Okay, he he black and he nice looking. What is he trying to figure out a brother's sexuality? Right? Well, guess what? 
All them senators, let me put it all out there. See, it's white trouble. All them senators is in the bathroom messing with little boys and getting caught. Yes, and then three, four months later, you ain't hearing nothing about it no more. You know, and this senator yes, went on ahead and cashed out and uh, did his mm-hmm. thing. And he's still uh, uh, following, looking for his little boys and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But let a brother, you know, shake a gay dude's hand and, ooh, ooh, he down low. You see what I'm saying? We can't get in white trouble. I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna keep putting it out there. Every time you throw something and you throw it out there, I'm, that's my new thing. Black people, remember, you can't get in white trouble. You can call it what you want, but it's still segregation. You better not get in no white trouble. That's what I'm gonna teach my kids. Don't get in no white trouble. Yeah. Well, brother, I appreciate you, man. Listen, family, we're gonna get ready for a commercial break, and when we come back from our commercial break, um, I'm gonna take the first caller. But before we go to the break, family, I want to try to get us back on track with the subject, and I'm going to let you know up front, we're going to dive right into it. Uh, We're going to dive right into the criminal justice system in this country. And um, the way it's going to work, family, is I'm going to put out there, you know, the different players in the the group, which which are going to be the judges, the prosecutors, and even the defense attorneys, family. I'm going to make sure you know what they're supposed to be doing and I'm going to give you some some insight on what I happen to know or have experienced them not doing. Uh, so with that, family, stay tuned, uh, and hopefully we're going to pass out some information for you, and then uh, we'll just uh, chime in up like that, family. So night rider, let's take it to a commercial break, and we'll be right back, family. And welcome to your Black Money Minutes, presented to you by BlackMoneyMatters.com. You know, when two people decide to get married, it's a pretty exciting time. But it also brings up a lot of hard questions. One of these questions is, how exactly are you and your spouse-to-be going to merge your money? The first step in doing this is to start discussing your financial goals. A good exercise to get this going is for each partner to make a list of his or her short-term goals, like paying off a credit card, getting a new car, or even going on a vacation. Then begin to list your long-term goals, like retirement or having a baby. From there, you should be able to determine which of these goals are a priority to both of you. Then, once you've identified these goals, you can focus your energy on achieving them. This is Gil Michelle. That was your Black Money Minute, presented to you by BlackMoneyMatters.com. To get more information and receive our free newsletter, visit blackmoneymatters.com. Join EOTM and the Queens of Internet Radio as they host a night dedicated to honoring great minds known for their truly remarkable work. We celebrate women who define hard work, leadership, commitment, and creativity. Lock arms with the queens in our communities today. Seating is limited. Order your tickets now at www.queensofinternetradio.com. Call 678-548-548. 9466 for more information. Visit www.queensofinternetradio.com. See you in Atlanta on March 7, 2010. 
Okay, family, welcome back. That guy on that commercial sounded familiar to me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, do we have any calls on the line? Okay. All right, family. Um, again, okay. Shantae, Queen G, you with us? Yes, sir. I'm here. I'm okay. here. I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Queen G, give me one second. I'm gonna set it up. Then I want you to go with your with your with your uh, with your story. Family, uh, last Tuesday, you know, I mentioned on the show that we had that we had deputies in Georgia uh, who had walked into a man's home without his permission uh, with a warrant, uh, trying to find a, another gentleman that they already had in their custody. And they didn't just walk into the man's home without permission, but they actually returned and brought a supervisor back with him and then ended up arresting the man for no, well, I guess for obstruction of justice, but later those charges were dropped because this man was fortunate enough or smart enough to get a camera and film this incident. Um, family, it's no secret that, you know, we had uh, a Miss Johnson, uh, an elderly lady living in the Atlanta area a few years ago who was shot while she was sitting in her home watching uh, television by officers, narcotics officers that uh, had obtained a warrant illegally uh, after lying to a magistrate and fabricating information uh, that they uh, orchestrated or that they had uh, acquired from a, a so-called informant, uh, those officers have since been sentenced to, to jail. And family, just in tonight, uh, I was watching the news and looking for some uh, some additional stories on this on the situation. And there was a DeKalb County officer um, who was arrested tonight for rape, um, and not only rape. Uh, uh, it wasn't only a single count; it was, a, it was two counts of rape on, prostit- on one on a prostitute and one on another woman. Um, I believe that he had had in his custody uh, that he had elected to, uh, I, from what I understand, to uh, ask for sexual favor from her in return for granting her her freedom. Um, now, family, again, I'm not going to sit here and, and put it out there that all cops are bad. I used to be a law enforcement officer myself. I was very fortunate enough to have served as a police officer. I served briefly as a corrections officer and extensively as a uh, felony probation officer. Uh, So I've had the unique experience of looking at law enforcement from all three perspectives. So with that being said, family, I want to put out there that all men and women that wear the badge are not bad officers. But the most unfortunate thing about it is is that you never know which one's going to walk up on you until it's too late and you've got a case. So with that being said, family, I want to go to uh, Shante. Shante uh, says, "Do we have the call on the line?" Okay, listen, yes. Shante, give me, give me, give me one second, and we're gonna take this caller first. Um, she's calling from a three one zero area. Okay, caller, you're on the line. This caller wants to share her story with us. Uh, and I'm, if I'm correct, I think she has some interaction with the police in her in her area. Caller, you on the line? Hi, um, I'm calling from um, California. And I've been listening to the show, and I have really enjoyed listening to everything that you all are talking about when it comes to crooked cops. Um, I listened Tuesday, but I wasn't able to get in. So I would like to piggyback on uh, Officer A and uh, Third Eye and Trey, and, of course, you, Don, on what you all were talking about uh with cops, you know, there are good cops, yes, and there are bad cops. Now, I've been here in California going on 10 years, and my first encounter with a cop was on last week. And, yes, I was a little nervous, but um, 
The officer walked up to my car and he said, "Let me have your registrations and your driver's license." On the radio right now. And of, and of course, what I did when I pulled over, I turned my ignition off and I put left both hands on my steering wheel. So he asked for my driver's license and my registration. I gave it to him and he he explained to me why he stopped me and I was really surprised because did not know I had broke the law. And he explained to me that I made a right when I should not have on a red. Uh, they do have that going on out here. And um, I just, you know, when he explained it to me, I told him, I said, well, I didn't know. And he went back to his car and, you know, I guess did whatever he needed to do and uh, came back to me and said, I'm going to let you go this time, but be careful because that's a bad intersection. There's a lot of accidents going on over there. And I really appreciated that because, um, you know, he could have given me a ticket. I've never heard of anybody out here saying that the cop let him go. You know, they, you, you get your ticket because it's about making money out here. And, uh, of course, I've had we've had encounter with the crooked cop also um, traveling to the east. And, um, you know, my husband has a van that, you know, that he designed himself. So nobody in the world has a van like his. And we were on opposite sides of the highway at night. We were going east, and the cop was going west. He politely turned around in the medium and came behind us and pulled us over. But... After he saw that we were, you know, that my husband is an elderly man, and, um, you know, he had him to get out of the car. And he said that the ladder on the back of the car was obstructing the view of the license. And how did he know to, to, you know, to pull us over for something like this? And it's nighttime. And we're trapped. We're on the, you know, we're going to Texas. So naturally, you know how it is over there. And he just turned around. It was the van that caught his eye. That's what it was. So I just want to share my story a little bit with you guys. Um, I have enjoyed listening to what you what you all are saying, and it is true. Uh, you know, Trey was talking about it a lot on Tuesday. Um, you know, just go on and do what you're supposed to do when you're stopped by the cop. Just just do what you're supposed to do, and that's what I did. I was nervous. But, you know, I, I kept my hands on the steering wheel, and I, and you know, hey, I ran the, mm-hmm. the light, so okay, you do what you got to do, but he let me go. So, you know, I just want to share my story with you guys. And, um, well, you know what, and, and you know what, uh, uh, Carl, we appreciate you sharing it with us, but you know something, <clears throat> if you don't mind, um, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, is that okay? Uh-huh. Okay. Here, here's the question, Okay. Would you or would you not agree that women, and you can choose whether it's white or black, um, have a different perspective, generally speaking, on, on how they view cops versus a black male? And I'm asking that particular question because I tend to think that, you know, your perspective on an law enforcement, and, I, and again, I'm not taking away from your story. I think it was a wonderful, you know, uh, 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 I'm, glad, I'm glad you shared it with us. But I want to put it out there, and, and I'm setting it up for something later in the show, family, so bear with me on it. 
is that I just want to know if you, as a female, think, believe, and why or why not, uh, you know, that a female's perspective on police officers or being approached by police officers is different from a black male, or do you think it is? Um, yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I, you know, I've, I've lived here. I'm in it. I've, I've heard a lot about it. But, yes, I, I do believe that, you know. Okay. Okay. I do believe Well, that. i tell you what, I, and, again, and I appreciate you being honest with me, and uh, I, I wanted to ask that question because I wanted to set it up for something later. And, Carla, again, <clears throat> thanks you, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. Listen to the rest of the show. Trey, did you have anything for the caller? Well, caller, I just want to um, commend you for getting out of the situation. And, and again, I appreciate you uh, paying attention to what I was I was trying to get a lot of us to realize. You know, um, things happen mm-hmm. to us in life, you know, all of us. These, you know, uh, one thing about problems, they're going to keep coming. You understand what I'm saying? So what we have to do as, as people in general is figure out a way to get around problems and as as our ethnic people, what I notice what a lot of us tend to do, we're so rambunctious. We're still so upset and angry about, you know, uh, the past and, and slavery and, you know, the 60s and 70s um, to a point that we haven't realized that people such as Dr. King died, Dr. Malcolm X died so that we could have certain freedoms. So in this country, yes, the police do railroad you, but at the same time, there are laws. And there is a law. And if you are conducting yourself as an upstanding member of the community and you are smart enough not to travel with drugs and things of that nature on you and a police officer pulls you over wherever they pull you at, first thing you do, you make sure you make a phone call to the closest person to you that is at a residence. You let them know where you are, what's going on, and you assist that police officer with respect. Right. Now, if he comes yeah. at he or she decides to come at you with disrespect, and I'm gonna be honest, uh, we'll say I'm gonna give it seventy percent of the time they are gonna come at us with ethnic. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna call it an issue for them. They might like that. Us that have an ethnic issue, that we might have an ethnic issue, but as long as we don't get in white trouble, white trouble we don't have no cocaine on you. Got a little bit of herb on you. Excuse me, mad with me for saying you got a. I mean, we that you at least smoking in the thing for a certain amount. They can't. You ain't gonna, only gonna get in so much trouble. Something you can get out of. And remember, it's easy to get in and hard to get out of. Right. So as we're working and progressing That's and trying to do things, what I like to build our lives. Let's be mindful of what we're doing. And when we in these cars and we driving and it's four or five of us and we know we black and we know we in certain neighborhoods, let's make sure that because they gon' they gonna find some way to get us. But when they do, it's easy to say. Oh, that's the problem, because like I told you, I cut my car off, take the keys out the ignition, and put That's them on right. the dash. That's, right. That's what I do. I heard you. Mm-hmm. I heard you. What you I want? You what you that. want, Mr. Police? Well, we appreciate you with that one, Trey Love. Well, Carla, <clears throat> I want to tell you thank you again for your call and your comments, and we're going to move on to uh, Lady G. Uh, okay. Queen G, I'm sorry, Queen G. Uh, Queen G has a story that she wants to share with us, and, I, and Queen G, I want to apologize to you for not acknowledging you earlier. I, I totally it slipped me that you, you were here with us, but um, I want to welcome you to uh, to the stage, uh, family. Uh, family, Queen G, go ahead and share with us. With, uh, I'm here. With it's all good, Don. If you mess up my name one more time, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh, I want. I'm, you know what? I might want you to get me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I might want you to get me. 
Oh my goodness. Hey family, how you doing? Hey hey Trey Love. What's up, girl? How you doing? Uh we'll talk about that later, but I'm all right. Oh, okay. All right, it's all good, yeah. I- Hit me up later don't on. Don't, don't be hating, man. Don't be hating. Do not be hating, sir. Oh my God. I, won't I got a um I got a quick story, you guys. it's it's on the lines of um gang um profiling, I could I could say. Um for the first time in my life, you know, I was out in a city called Hemet, California. It's it's a really small town. And there's a main street called Florida, you know, that's connected to the whole city because it's real small. And I was driving down um, Florida with a male friend in the car with me. I was on the driving side, and he was on the passenger side. Black man, bald head, you know, that I'm just giving the description of him. And um, we were just, you know, getting ready to go get something to eat. I had on house shoes. I was just, you know, taking a moment, taking a little break and going to get something to eat really quick. Um, I guess the the police was coming facing me, and he spotted my my front light was out. So he he pulled me over, um, but it was just it was so minor. I mean, he pulled me over, asked for registration, driver's license, and everything. But once they saw my male friend, they began to try to dig a little deeper. You know what I mean? They they made us step out the car. Um, for the first time in my life, I'm almost 36 years old. I've never been asked to sit on the curb, like. That was so degrading. You know what I mean? I had to step out of the car. I have a car seat in my car. They were going and checking all through the car seat, under the seats. They 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 totally took everything out of my glove compartment, threw it on the floor. It was just horrible. I'm like, you guys are tripping. <laughs> there, you know, they were running our licenses and checking everything. Uh, my male friend, they they made me sit on the ground and him. I began to explain to them, you know, I'm a mom, I have my own business. I started telling them those kind of things. Oh, ma'am, it's not you. You're cool. We're checking him out. And it was the fact that he was a black male, bald head, you know what I mean? Like, I guess they just assumed that he was a gangbanger. They made him pull his clothes up, and they looked at his tattoo. He had some old tattoo from way back in the day. He's a 30-year-old male. Um, he delivers for a, a food ministry, you know what I mean? Like, he's so innocent, it was crazy, and they begin to run our names and everything. They ran his name and discovered that he has a, a sheriff dad, you know what I mean? And before I knew it, like, four gang units pulled up behind that one unit, and they were just really trying to dig. And I'm like, you guys are not going to find nothing. I'm in house shoes. Like, this brother is on the up and up. He's never been arrested never been in a gang, never had any problems like that, no, like, criminal history. I've never been arrested. They just kept asking him, hey, are you on parole? Are you, you know, are you, have you ever been arrested before? He's like, no, no problems like that. Never in my life, you know, have I been arrested. But they just kept trying to dig. They had us out there for about, like, an hour and a half, checking my car, checking my trunk, asking him questions. And and they kept telling me, oh, no, no disrespect, this is not you. We're talking to him, and I just felt like that was just that was that was not cool. You know what I mean? Like they 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 kept doing something to try to dig and find something. And when they discovered that his dad was a sheriff, because they pulled up his name and his address, that's when they began to back off. I was like, okay, you guys are really like profiling him and trying to, you know, come up with something. So I do know that that exists now that it has happened to us. You know what I mean? And um, 
I, like I said, I'm almost 36 years old, and I've never been asked to, like, sit on the curb <laughs> and get out of my car, yeah. go sit over there. It's just, it's totally degrading, you know what I mean? And I, I can't yeah. imagine what African-American men, what they feel on the inside, you know, because they're always being profiled in some way or the other. Here it is. This brother is totally innocent, but he's being profiled as a gang member and has never gangbanged in his life. Had one wow. tattoo, and it was just some nickname. You know what I mean? Like, they were so moated, wow. <laughs> if I can say that. That's an old school word. Yeah, you know. I hear you. You know what? And I, I'm going to tell you something. You know, and and, and I thank you for that, too, uh, Shantae. But, you know, and I, I'm going to tell you something, that profiling um, – you know, and I hate to say this, but I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and, you know, because I think Officer A and and uh, our friend Third Eye may mention this if they were if they were here. But I think profiling can be a useful tool for law enforcement. But you know, it's unfortunate that um, just like anything else that we have out there that's you know that's man-made or or or, or a human or human run by man, or should we say? You know, it's not infallible. In other words, we're always going to have somebody in any in any uh, uh, fashion or line of work, or uh, that's going to take that tool, regardless of what it is, to the next level and abuse it. And that's the unfortunate part about that. Um, you know, and I know, and I say that because as an officer myself on the streets and family, I have to be honest. I have profiled and I have uh, 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 you know done those things, but you know, I didn't do it in a way or a manner where uh, it was intrusive to the point where, you know, I had folks laying out on the ground or I was going through your baby car seat and, and so forth and so on. Um, you know, I, I have to be honest and say that, you know, it, it, it's a useful tool. And, uh, Shantae, we thank you for that. Trey, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate, and I really do, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you being woman enough to, to take the time and acknowledge what, what we as the black male have to go through. Um of course, as a race, you know, again, I don't I don't like to generalize because I really can't stand racism. I personally think racism is a disease just like AIDS. That's my opinion on racism. But realistically, in this country, as African-American males, again, I broke this down before on the Don Adams radio show, we are the lowest on the total. We've got the white man, you got the white woman, then they've, and proof of what uh, Queen G, well, I'm sorry, Shantae's story is, is, White man, white woman, black woman, then black man. No, we're not talking to you. We're talking to him. And I've been in that situation myself plenty of times where I'm with a woman and I'm pulled over and um, I've even had sisters, you know, go off on the police and snap, but the police just kind of look at the sister like, ma'am, and he doesn't necessarily get a towards her. But being an African-American male, it's kind of like, I guess, because of the instinct that's in, in us, they know that we are hunters and that we are killers and we put fear in them. I, I'm going to just say that's probably what it is because they know that the black man is a very strong beast. You know what I'm saying? So I guess there's a certain intimidation factor. And what I'm going to say to my brothers is it's kind of like going into a fight with a three-year-old. Nine times out of ten, we know. Take that badge and that gun off that pump, and I'll whoop his ass. You understand what I'm saying? And he know I'll get oh, that ass. But what we got to do, what we have to do, black men, what we have to do, and this is my call to my brothers, let's stay alive. Let's think about our mothers who are going to be devastated and die of a heart attack if something happens to us. Let's think about our children who are going to be paralyzed without their fathers. Let's think about our friends that are going to miss us. So when that 
police officer pulls us over. This is what we have to do. We have to think about the other people that matter to us, not ourselves at that moment. And what you do is you be humble. And you don't think about what he's saying to you or how he's coming at you derogatory. You ever been to jail? Because, come on, I'm a black man. They done got all in my face. Where your gun at? Where your dope at? What is that, man? Mm-hmm. What you talking about? I don't have no gun. I don't have no dope. I don't even know what you're talking about. Here's my military ID. I'm a veteran, sir. I go to the VA to get my checkups and things like that, you know. And then when they see that ID, you know, for those of us who have served and we'll let them know we are veterans, they tend to be a little more lenient on that. But for the brother that's out there that's just a decent dude that's getting profiled and may have his hip-hop hat on, may have his jersey on, and may just be chilling because ain't nothing wrong with being black. That's what you mm-hmm. being, you being black. Ain't nothing wrong with being black, but... It is something wrong again. Like I say, let's not get in white trouble. We can't mouth off like black kids. I remember we couldn't mouth off to our mama and say, Mama, leave me the hell alone, and we would be already not be already be dead. We can't do the, we can't do that. So when the, and the police, it's the same way. Just think of the police as your mama. When they pull you over, hope that you don't get no whooping. Church. Man, look here, man. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't, I don't remember being able to tell my mama something like that. <laughs> But you know what, brother, we gotta thank you for that. Absolutely. You know, um, I want to read a comment to your family, and it's coming from uh, and caller on the line. I know you're there. I think we have our friend Officer A that uh, ch- wants to chime in on some of that. Um, I want to read this comment that came in on from the uh, the online chat room. Family, I'm in the chat room for the first time, so like I said, you know, bear with me. And it's coming from Katrina 2K. And uh, this is on the tail end of the question that I asked the first caller. Um, the question that I asked was whether or not she thought that a woman's vision or, or, or view of the police was different from that of a man or a black man. And um, she actually, uh, Katrina 2K actually p- provided two comments for me. One is that um, a woman, a woman's perspective, uh, hold on, excuse me, family, bear with me here, here we go. A woman's perspective as it relates to interaction with police officers will always be different from a male's unless she knows enough males who have been mistreated by them. And the second comment that she chimed in and gave was that, I have enough brothers to know enough black men who have been stopped for no reason or had their cars searched with no provocation or no search warrant to know that they mistreat black men all the time for no reason at all except that they woke up today. Um, I want to thank you for that, Katrina 2K. Uh, and that falls in line with what we mentioned, uh, you know, last week with some officers, you know, being able to, once you realize that you have the badge and the gun and the power, it's a different world. Um, you know, you realize that you can do things, and a lot of things that you do and say won't be questioned. Uh, the judges and the prosecutors will give you, I guess you want to say, for lack of a better word, the benefit of the doubt, um, because police departments are, are supposed to screen their candidates so stringently They're supposed to go through a thorough background check, psychological exam, uh, credit check, uh, you know, to make sure that these people are suitable and and able to to do the job, which is to protect and serve without having issues, uh, uh, you know, such as the ones that we have described. But also often, family, I'm going to be honest with you, that psychological exam, it's a bunch of crap. They don't think, I don't think that they dig deep enough because too many of these folks are out there with these badges and, and, and with the authority, and it's misused. And that's why we're here today. So what I want to do, family, is I want to take a call uh, from uh, Officer A. I believe he's on the line. We're going to take Officer A's comment. And what we want to do, family, is we want to get right into the matter or the the meat of today's show. We're going to take Officer A's comment, and then I'm going to go straight into the criminal justice system. And I promise you, family, that I'm I'm going to drop some bombs for you. 
I promise you that wherever you are, um, you, you know, in the sound of my voice, I'm going to put something out there that you probably didn't know was going uh, about the criminal justice system that's going on. Officer A, are you with us? Hey, I wish you did. Okay. Hey, I want to uh, good evening to hear you on your show, and also uh, another great show tonight. Uh, I want to give a few comments about uh, the racial, I mean, with the profiling, and maybe I can provide some insight uh, as to how profiling and law enforcement works. Profiling and good old-fashioned police work, it, it's, it's a real thin line between the two. The problem with profiling and good old-fashioned police work is when you put racial work. Because if, if, if you see uh, the officer believes that uh, criminal mischief is afoot uh, because four black guys are driving a beat-up 10-year-old Chevy uh, in a drug-infested neighborhood, then they ain't got the, the police officer need to believe that four white guys driving that same beat-up Chevy in a rich white neighborhood that can be some criminal mischief. So uh, profiling, it, it, I mean, it could be a useful tool, but again, the, the issue with profiling and where you have a problem is, is when you put racial race in front of it and you only target one race and you don't look at everything, everybody um, that could possibly be an issue. I think that's where police officers uh, get in a little trouble there. Well, you know what? <clears throat> Officer A, I'm going to thank you again for chiming in with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on, brother. Um, I want to put something out there, and, I, and I'm not sure if this comment, this comment is coming from Noel uh, out of the chat rooms, and um, I'm not sure if this comment is going to tie into what you're saying, but um, I think it does. And Noel is mentioning that there are some police officers who are bullies and they enjoy intimidating people. And some departments that are motivated there are some departments that are motivated motivated in part by forfeiture takings. Um and that's a huge comment. Noel, I wanna thank you for that. Um and you know, and again, you know, and I don't want to stray away from Officer A's comments. You know, and I mentioned before too, family, that racial well, I shouldn't say racial I should just say profiling. Um is a useful tool, and law enforcement officers are taught to profile. Um, I've been through three different academies, uh, you know, myself, and, again, I'll be honest, serving as a police officer, a corrections, and a probation officer at some point. And you are taught to profile because it's a huge tool. But, again, family, you know, and it's not to say that every officer out there is a bad officer, but when we have people involved in anything, there is going to always be the tendency for that something to be taken a step further and for somebody, regardless of who they are, to try to take advantage of it. Um, so, you know, and, and I think that's where we are. And, and I think the question is how in the hell are we going to weed out those the ones that don't necessarily need to be there? Um, and that's that, to me, is the challenge. Um, you know, that's, of course, going to be an impossible thing to do. But like Trey Love mentioned earlier, family, educate ourselves on how to deal with, with, the, with the police. And that's what another part of the, the purpose of our Tuesday show was, was to, was to share with you all, family, on how to deal with the police. Um, Officer A, thank you again for your comments. Uh, Trey, you want to chime in on, on Officer A's comments before we move on to the court system? Oh, did we lose Trey? Okay. Hey, I'm right here. Um, oh. I just wanted to, oh you, did you ask me something, man? 
Yeah, Trent, I was I was wanting to know, did you want to chime in on what Officer A had mentioned before we go right into the questions? Well, no, we, we can actually go right into the questions, man. You know, I'm just, you know, kind of sitting back. You know how I am about, you know, situations like this, you know. Okay. I'm well, good. I can let go what I can. Okay, good enough, family. Family, you know, and, and, and again, I'm going to go right on into the court system. Family, you know, one, I mentioned earlier in the show that um, as a military serviceman, one of the things that I've learned or was taught was that when you go to another country, it would be who are you to know the customs and the laws and the what's and the whatnots. Um, that was one of the things that I was always made abreast of by my commanders. And I put that out there because, you know something, family, in this country, we have people that live here that don't even really know what type of criminal justice system we live under, okay? And you would be surprised at the amount of people that don't know. And I'll put a question out there to prove my point. And if there's anyone that does know the answer to this question, I tell you what, I want to give away two tickets to the the Queens of Internet Radio's uh, uh, community uh, 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 event that's going to be going on here in March. I'm going to give these two tickets to you wherever you are. These are two tickets to this event. It's a major event. Uh, it's the commercial that, uh, that that handsome guy mentioned earlier uh, with the deep voice. Anybody catch that one? <laughs> uh, but anyway, here's the question, family. What type of criminal justice system do we currently live under? Okay? In England, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the name of the English uh, system, but the American system. I do know the name of that one. What type of criminal justice system do we do we do we currently live under? Okay, if anyone can call in with that answer, I'll give those tickets to you uh, to the event. Now, with that being said, and oh, I'm sorry, and the number is going to be seven one eight six six four six five. Okay, family? Now, with that being said, in our criminal justice system, this is how it's set up. We have the judges. Um, the judges in our system, family, are supposed to make sure that all parties and all sides adhere to the rules. Judges are supposed to be impartial. They're not supposed to be on this side or the other side. In other words, they're not supposed to be on the prosecutor's side or the defense's side. They're supposed to sit in the middle, and they're supposed to make sure that the prosecutor plays by the rules and that the judges, I mean, I'm sorry, and that the defense attorneys play by the rules. Um, with that being said, family, prosecutors. Um, prosecutors are supposed to be there to seek out and to explore the truth in all matters. Now, I know that a lot of us watch shows, and I used to watch shows like Law and Order, uh, Criminal Intent, CSI, and all those great, wonderful TV shows, but you know, uh, this country is a country that is so locked into television and the world of make-believe that we oftentimes think that what we see on TV with these shows is actually how these prosecutors behave. Wrong answer. Absolutely wrong answer. That's huge, family, because in so many different counties, we hear so many different stories and, and uh, put out about how the county is being bankrupt, about the system being flooded with all these court cases, and so forth and so on, and that we're going to have to start letting people go because you can't process these cases. Well, family, let me tell you what I think is going on with that. And this is from my personal experience, not just as a police officer, but, again, as a state probation officer. And this is where I really learned the system as a state probation officer. And no disrespect to the police officers out there, but police officers run, operate the streets. Probation officers deal with the court systems, okay? And that's why I say that as a probation officer, I learn the things that I'm about to share with you now. Family, there is nothing in the world worse than walking into a courtroom 
and looking at a judge and a prosecutor that know that a case should not be in that courtroom. Now, what happens is this. When the police officers generally arrest someone, sometimes they tend to take shortcuts, or sometimes they just tend to overlook some things. But when the case gets to the courtroom, the prosecutors and the judge, well, actually the prosecutors, are supposed to be there to overlook, to review the facts of those cases and make a determination as to whether or not they're going to proceed and actually charge this person or allow this case to proceed in the system. That's important for us to know, family, because from the moment of arrest, you are indoctrinated into the criminal justice system. Now you move into a phase of where the prosecutor actually has to look at the charges and decide whether or not they're going to either arraign you or indict you. Uh, in, in, in felony cases, it's considered an indictment. Charge against you would be an indictment once it's voted on by a grand jury. But in misdemeanor cases, it's an arraignment. Um, actually, an arraignment is when they notify, formally notify you of the charges that you're being uh, charged with. But a, a misdemeanor charge does not have to be indicted by a grand jury. Okay, family? Now, what I'm telling you is this, is that when those cases go before grand juries, in most cases, the, the, the prosecutors don't necessarily have a lot of evidence against the accused. That's huge, family, because I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people are wondering, well, why are so many people going to jail and why are so many people getting locked up? Because it's a game that's being played, and I'm going to tell you how that game works. One of the strategies that I found out about as a probation officer was that I actually have had the, I had the opportunity to watch people get arrested, put in jail, and the prosecutors would sit around and talk about it over lunch and dinner and say, you know what, let's let them sit in the jail because by the time they come back up to trial, or by the time this case makes it back up in front of Judge so-and-so, I know they're going to be ready to take a plea because they're tired of sitting in that jail and eating those ham sandwiches. I'm sorry, those processed ham sandwiches. Um, family, that's huge because in most cases, and, I, and, and I'm not going to put a finger out there and say that we have bad prosecutors all over the United States, but I think it's important to realize this. Prosecute, most prosecutors, in my opinion, are politically driven. So much so to the point that they're not concerned about whether you're guilty or innocent. They're just concerned about making the numbers on those cases. And what I mean by the numbers on those cases, family, is that a prosecutor's history with his particular office is really going to be judged upon the amount of convictions that he was able to obtain. Not a lot of people are going to realize or say, thank you for letting this innocent guy go. How many times have you seen a prosecutor on television being congratulated because he allowed somebody to go because he did the right thing and we shouldn't have had him here? That doesn't happen a lot. It's a quiet victory. That's why it takes a certain type of person to want to be a prosecutor because you've got to have that tenacity, so to speak. And what's happening, family, is that these people are losing sight of the truth. They don't actually go out and investigate a lot of things like we think they would. They'll take facts and notes in most cases that, you know what, let me tell you something. After they read the statements that the officers will provide on the police report, it doesn't take but a split second for a prosecutor to read that statement and know that probable cause is a bunch of garbage for this particular case. And I'll give you an example, family. I was here in DeKalb County in court, Judge Wong's court. And I'm not going to name the officer, but I'll name the judge. Judge Wong's court. And I witnessed an officer come into his courtroom and tell the judge that he was pulling a traffic stop pulled the man over in a traffic stop. And then while he was standing outside of this man's car, and this is during the time of the day when the sunlight, when, when the sun was setting, which it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but his probable cause for pulling this man out of the car and searching him was because he saw a marijuana seed in the floorboard of his car. 
in the carpet. Now, family, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you this. I like nature, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you straight out, family, you know, I don't think an eagle, a bald eagle who has, and I'm just going to put myself out there, who probably has the best vision in the world, can spot a squirrel under the ground for all intents and purposes, would have seen a marijuana seed on the floorboards of a car. But you know something, family? The the, The point that I'm making is that the judge being, Supposedly, supposedly being the impartial party, allowed their case to proceed. And that probable cause was garbage. Garbage because, you know what, there is no way in hell that you as a human being can stand outside of anybody's car and see a marijuana seed in the floorboard of a car in the carpet. Okay, family? That case was allowed to proceed. And now the prosecutor in this particular case thought it was funny when the judge laughed and that poor guy, he stood trial for the case that he was he was being charged with. That was a shame, family. And those are the types of things that I'm talking about. Is that we don't understand what probable cause is. We don't understand what, uh, you know, what's supposed to lead up to arrest, search, and seizure. You follow me, family? Um, you know, and that's huge because again, you know, the judges, in my opinion, you know, are are sitting on the benches, and you know. I, I, you know, and I don't want to put myself out there and say that they're not necessarily concerned with the truth, truth or dare, so, so to speak. But I don't think they're doing enough to make sure that these tri- these cases are uh, being treated fairly. And prosecutors, we can just get rid of that because I'm going to tell you right now, family, with my experiences with prosecutors, they are absolutely concerned about their political careers. That's just a wrap. And most cases are plea bargains. Which means that you know, and, and I've also you know found, and, and I'm gonna get into that too, family, with the plea bargaining issue, is that, and, and actually, let me just tell you what plea bargaining is, family. Plea bargaining is that what that means is that the prosecutors and the defense attorneys have gotten together and they have formulated a deal to resolve the case uh, in court before it goes to trial. In most cases, cases are settled by plea bargaining. Prosecutors don't give a crap because either way it goes, it's a win for them because the plea bargain means, hey, I want, I got a conviction, regardless of how it screws your life up. Now, we're not going to forget about our good friends, the defense attorneys, and I'm sure some of you all can relate to this. You know, family, a lot, in a lot, too many instances, and I, and I don't fault them for this, but in too many instances, defense attorneys are motivated by money. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and it's their profession, and it's their job, and, it, you know, of course, everybody has to eat. But they're motivated by money, family. You know, and my question is, where does the truth actually fit in to this all? You know, you've got the prosecutors who are concerned about their careers, and they don't care who goes to jail and who doesn't go to jail. You've got the judges. Hell, they think things are funny either way it goes, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to put a finger and say that all judges are the same way. But you never know again, family, until you end up in court in front of that judge. And then it's too late because now you realize, oh, I drew a dud. You know, I drew a dud. But the defense attorneys are the people that are supposed to be there to make sure that our rights are secured, our rights are taken care of, and that we are represented in court properly. But you know what, family, what's happening is, and God forbid any of you end up in a court case and you have to deal with a public defender, because that's a whole other entity. But let's stick with the defense attorneys, because what's happening and what I've seen in a lot of cases is that our defense attorneys will be there and will fight for you as long as the money's there. And once the money's gone, they're out of the case. That's huge, family, because what that means is, you know what, justice costs. It will cost you to have representation. Now, I know I mentioned our public defenders, and for those of you that know that don't know, 
in this country, uh, we have a system that's set up for those people that cannot afford legal representation on their own, and that's done through the public defender's office. Well, those people are paid by the county, and they don't make a lot of money, family. So let me just tell you something right now. If you ever end up in a case where you have to be represented by a public defender, and no disrespect to our public defenders, but I'm just going to be honest with you, um, family, what you're looking at is someone who's probably not going to want to go in and fight for you as hard as someone that was probably paid out of your pocket. Uh, Because to try these cases, it takes a lot of money, and they're not going to want to do it. But family, I'm going to close it out with this, and then I'm going to open it up for comments, and I'm going to say this to you, that, you know, understand this, family. We live in a system, we live in a criminal, we live in this country, and we operate under a criminal justice system that a lot of people think is infallible. A lot of people think that it's the greatest in the world. I, you know, I beg to differ. Now, I've lived in other countries, and I've visited other countries, and I've seen other things, you know, and the minute you speak out against it, it's like W.E. Du Bois, you know, when he went over and lived in France uh, for a while, he realized that things were different. He was a black man. He realized that things were different. And when he came back to the United States with some of the ideas that he tried to present and put out there, they called him a socialist and a communist. And those are some of the same terms that they tried to use to tag our president, Obama, with. They labeled him as a socialist, or trying to move us towards a socialist society. Well, guess what, folks? We live in a capitalist society, and that does not uh, that does not exclude the criminal justice system. These people are here to make money, and that is the bottom line. Prosecutors are looking for career advancement. Defense attorneys are looking for money, and the judges they're getting paid. Period. End of story. Family, we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to open up the lines. I'm going to give my my friend and co-host, Trey Love, uh, an opportunity to comment on some of what we talked about. And then we're going to open up the lines, and uh, we're going to take some calls from uh, from our callers. Now, Ron, are you ready over there? Don't, that one on your pocket, don't be Bad boy, bad boy What you gonna do? 
Comment. I know the rest of the family can't see it, but I'm reading it in the chat room. <laughs> Trey, you want to chime in on what we're talking about, bro? Yeah, man, I want to jump in on that. Something you said that was vital um, before we went to commercial break, man. You said, um, kind of remind me of what you said, because I, I was thinking about it, and I didn't get a chance to write it down, but you said something to the effect of, uh, damn, I need to stop taking these pain pills. 
Um, you over there self medicating again? Yeah, man, I'm self medicating. I'm listening to you. I'm like, You know, one of the things that I touched on, I want to go back to, is that I mentioned uh, that you know a lot of these, these uh, DAs are, are quick to settle for plea bargains. Um, you know, and that's huge, family, because part of that game is that when they lock you up and they put you in jail, um, they'll cart you back and forth to court and leave you sitting in that jail. You know, and for most of you all that have never been to jail. And I'm going to tell you something, it's not a good experience. I mean, you know, you're away from your family, you're eating those half-cooked bologna sandwiches, uh, that stale bread, you know, sometimes they give you fruit that's not good, you know, a oh, mattress. Batman, uh, Batman, can I jump in? Now I remember. Go ahead, bro. Oh, thank you, Batman. What you said, what, what that was that was vital was, this is a business. They And I, I've explained this to many friends of mine that think, oh, how I get up with these tickets, how I end up in jail. It's a business. They need you in jail. They want you in jail. They need the right tickets. They need to. That's why when they pull you over, that's baby, you ain't on. You ain't never been to jail because they trying to look up and take your car and take your license. They get points for that because you know what? Nine times out of ten, you're gonna have to spend thousands of dollars to buy your way out of that trouble. That's all I wanted to chime in with. I'm, I apologize that I forgot, but that's what I wanted to make sure uh, <laughs> to, to, to tag on. Well, you know what? Set up for that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something. You're right, man, but I'm going to tell you what a lot of people don't realize, too, is that these jails, family, get paid to incarcerate you. Um, from the moment that you are processed into these jails, they assign you a number, and that number is the one that they'll send off for funding from the government in a huge for uh, funding for you being incarcerated in those jails. And some of the other ways that these jails are making money off of people is that uh, in Cobb County, Georgia, as a matter of fact, one of the one of the biggest offenders of this, Cobb County, Georgia, I think averages about four million dollars a year on inmate labor. Has anybody ever seen those guys out on the side of the highways picking up trash and and uh, you know cutting trees in the park and things of that nature? The jails are, are taking the inmates and they're putting them out there and they're they're making money. They're making a lot of money off of inmate labor. Um, family, I'm